Hi, I'm Reverend Grant Mansfield. And I'm Rabbi Andy Warmflash. And this, this is Common Grounds. Well, hey, Andy, it's good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Yeah. How have you been? What's been on your mind lately? Well, I've been well, I have to say, and I've actually been thinking a lot about abortion. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Well, you know, after the Supreme Court decision, I guess a lot of people are thinking about yeah. abortion. Yeah. So I'm on a committee, that a national committee of conservative rabbis, um, and one of the subcommittees has the job of trying to think about how um, how rabbis can talk to congregants about this, mm. uh, particularly in, in states where there aren't a lot of options. So that's led me to think a lot about it. Um, and I'm wondering what you think about it and, and how you come to what you think about it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's a big question. But um, yeah, you know, this is a, a very impactful area for, for me, you know, as a priest. I, I've walked with people through this process and that, that prayerful discerning of it. And I, I've learned a lot through that experience. You know, one, one of the interactions I've had in the several churches I've worked in was a young family. Um, we'll, we'll say their names are Charles and Sarah. And Charles and Sarah were pregnant with their second child. And they fully expected to, to want to have this child. They wanted this child. And Partway through the, the the pregnancy, they found out from the doctors that there were some a lot of medical complications that it would be better to abort the pregnancy. Wow. Yeah, it was really painful for them, and, and they didn't come to that decision immediately or, or lightly. Um, they, they, they came to me, and we, we prayed together, and they sought guidance from, from God and through our scripture, and you know, the, these conversations we hear out in our, our media nowadays about how people just jump into these things, I, that's never been my experience. No, like with, not mine either. Yeah, with Charles and Sarah, it was a a painful reckoning of their relationship with God and each other and the family that they wanted and thinking about what was best for that child um, and what life that child might have if they were to have it. And, um, you know, they ultimately chose to have the abortion um but it was a hard process for them to get there, and I just—it's—it's it's heartbreaking whenever I hear this depicted as something that's easily done by anyone. I—I I don't get that. So, how did you see your role in that conversation? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, I knew that my role was not to give what I thought was right to do in that. I, as their priest, and and I think this goes for anyone, right? Of when people invite us into that sacred space, we're meant to listen and to to hold that space with them and ask questions that help them figure out what it is that they take on this. So I was encouraging them to pray about it with God and listening to what what were the things that they were weighing between and pointing them to different parts of Scripture around uh, God providing um, all that they need and, and guiding wisdom and guidance and and, and, and just even pointing to the, the intense struggles that women of faith have had in our scriptures that we share in both the, the Jewish and the Christian scriptures of, of women who have really longed for children, 
um, but have struggled with that. And, and what does it mean when you, yeah. It, that, that's so, so interesting, you know, because I tend to always go back to the Torah and you think about those biblical women. Um, and, and one of the marks of the matriarchs where there's difficulty in having children, yeah. starting with Sarah and, and Rebecca, um, and then later on with Hannah, like oh, th yeah. this intense struggle, but also a sense that one's self-worth almost, in, it certainly in that time, really came through the ability to bring, bring children into yeah. the world. Well, and that continues now today too, right? You know, when women are unable to, to carry pregnancies, there, there is such a stigma there. And I can see where it's such a complicated emotional space for people to be entering into for something that's such a, a personal space, but also impacts so many lives outside of them. How do you... Yeah, so I, I, I'm struck Andy? by the, the place of prayer in your tradition. Um, and certainly prayer is important in Judaism. But and, and I will say that my way of counseling a couple mm -hmm. is very much like yours, yeah. in that it's really about active listening and asking questions, rather than saying, well, you know, this is what, <laughs> this is what our tradition says you have to do, right? right. That's, that's not my style. There are rabbis like that, but I'm certainly not one of them. But I tend to go first to Jewish, first of all, to the Bible, but also to Jewish law as it's evolved. Um, and I tend to look at sources and sometimes study those sources with people. And they certainly help to frame the question for me. So, you know, I, and, and going all the way back, one of the most interesting passages, I think, that, that kind of relates to abortion in a serious way is there's a, a, a question in, in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. um, there's a law, uh, two men are struggling, and in the midst of that, a woman loses her child. Yeah. Right, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the person responsible has to uh, pay compensation. Right. Um, but nowhere in the Bible can you kill someone with and simply pay compensation. And that suggests, and the Jewish tradition picks this up, that fetal life is not the same as human life. Right. So, so coming from that point, uh, the rabbis then talk about, well, so it, life doesn't begin at conception. Right. It, it begins at first breath. We in the right. Christian tradition, we, we share that, well, parts of the branches of the Christian church would share that when we look at scripture, right? The the, the piece that talks about life coming in when the breath of God enters into the body, you know, what constitutes life. Um, you know, I, I do a similar thing with you as well. Um, I don't go back to, to Jewish law. I go back to the church canons, what ah. we as the Episcopal Church have come to take a stance on this. And I love our stance. And it essentially says that um, abortion is something that's not done lightly, and it's not meant to be used for uh, yeah, for contraception and family planning in that sense. But we, we recognize as a church that it's a serious thing and that what we encourage is for those who are contemplating it to talk with your doctor. You seek the medical knowledge and know all your options in that and to talk about it with your priest and pray over it. Talk to God. Talk to the family members. Again, it's that reaching out in the community and come to a space where you can hold whatever decision you make up to God. It, mm. it, it really honors the 
the free will of each person to mm. be able to do that discerning work. We're not in the space of making decisions for people, but how to guide people into making a decision that brings them closer in their relationship to God. Yeah, I, you know, I'm struck by what you said about family members because mm. I think sometimes people are really reluctant to discuss these questions with members of their family feeling that they'll be judged or it'll yeah. it'll be difficult but certainly um certainly it's an important important thing to do for me i guess the stance of, of the of the episcopal church is, is similar in some ways to the jewish stance or the stance of jewish law um, but jewish was is quite specific about circumstances under which abortion would be considered permissible and forbidden. So like the position that you've outlined, the the idea of, you know, abortion because it's inconvenient to have a child now or, you know, this is how we deal with these problems routinely and so you have mm -hmm. repeated abortions, that sort mm -hmm. of thing is, is certainly outside the framework of what Jewish law considers to be acceptable. Yeah. Um, the thing on the other extreme is clearly anything that would injure the health of the mother. Um, yes. So there, there is, there's a sense, it's, it's really quite clear cut. A fetus is a potential human life, mm -hmm. sacred in its own way, but in comparison to a full human being, yeah. that is the mother, uh, there is no question. In fact, the, the, the Mishnah, which is the early layer of the Talmud, says that until a baby's head emerges from the womb, mm. if necessary, you can, and, and I, I sorry to be so graphic, you can cut it apart mm -hmm. and remove it uh, simply, simply because the mother's life takes precedence. Now, once the head comes out, and you were talking about the breath, the right? Breath, yeah. Right. Once the head comes out, then you have two human lives, and and now, it's not such a, a, a clear cut case. Right. And and then there's a whole debate about the mental health of the mother, mm, right? Mm -hmm. And what extent that should be a factor. And there's a variety of rabbinic opinions. Though I, th I think increasingly rabbinic opinions seems to hold that the mental well-being of the woman and, and to a certain extent uh, her relationship within the family, because mm. this is not only going to have consequences for her, but mental health issues around the family, that becomes a factor as well. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's actually quite striking to hear you talk about how you know your your section of the Jewish tradition speaks to this. There there are a lot of similarities here, I think, between conservative Judaism and and the Episcopal Church. Not all churches end where where we do, yeah. um, clearly. <laughs> but but what what I hear in commonality between ours is this beautiful affirmation that it, it's a nuanced space, yes. right? It, and when we live in a world, particularly right now in the United States, where we're so about living within um, black and white, right or wrong, all the way or none of the way, this is really a complicated space where you can't do that because you are juggling, you know, the potential life of the child and the life of the mother and how that impacts community within this. And, and it strikes me um, that 
you know, here we are as, as two men talking about this too, right? Because there's, there's this piece <laughs> of, of uh, a woman's autonomy over her body and how that even connects with our faith traditions where over um, the, birth of the, the scope of both Judaism and Christianity that have been very male-dominated in, in some major yeah. ways kind of yeah, guiding I, I, the formation. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think, though, that there's a way to look at that question that doesn't have to do with gender. And mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. to say that in our tradition, um, your body does not belong to yourself because it's a gift from God. And, mm. and your job is you're a steward of that gift. That's why Judaism re- re- rejects suicide, right? Mm. Be- because mm-hmm. it's not ours life to take. Right? Mm. Now, that's a complicated issue and an extreme yeah. end-of-life questions. That's a whole other thing. A woman's body, in some strict sense, isn't entirely hers, as a man's body is really not entirely mm. his. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who, for example, um, has a gangrenous leg and, mm. and doesn't want to have it amputated, mm-hmm. right? even though this will really you know, endanger his life, from a Jewish point of view, he's not allowed to make that choice, right? He has to protect mm. his health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a mandate, right? I know I'm getting off onto but, but, but a no, tangent. But no, I think it's important, right? This idea of you know bodily autonomy and in in the role of free will within this too. What does that look like? You know, in the Christian tradition, um, there, there is a similar respect too that you know all is given from God and ultimately all belongs to God. But what I do find in our tradition is we put more emphasis on on free will, right? Our ability to choose things, and it goes back to Genesis, right? Of if God creates um, all things out of love in order to be loved, that there's this loving relationship that wants to be done, then one has to have the freedom to choose love or not in order for it to be authentic love. And I think all of this plays into that of how do we use the autonomy and the free will that we have been given to respond back to that that loving yes. presence or or not to and and i think oh that's just such a complicated so, yes yeah, so this. i mean from the jewish point of view of course free will is assumed right oh. right you can't compel it I mean, we, we don't live in a theocracy right mm-hmm. so even if you wanted to you you can't compel someone to do something but Having said that, there is a sense that certain things are morally wrong, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to abuse your body or threaten your life is, from our perspective, morally wrong. Now, people mm. still can choose to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, you know, but I think part of my role mm. is to say to them, you know, look, you know, this isn't, this isn't, yours to do it doesn't belong to you you may you may abuse that trust because your body's given to you in trust but i don't think abortion has anything to do with that right right Mm -hmm. um because in both of our traditions it's not it's not an abuse of your body um Mm -hmm. to remove a fetus under circumstances where it seems warranted Right. right so I, I mean, I, I do want to come back to what you said earlier, which, which is really, you know, that this is such a complicated issue, and everybody wants a black and white answer. They really do. They really do. So, we, we Rabbi, tell me, 
are we, are you, you know, pro-life or pro-choice, right? Oh, yes. Right? And the answer is no. <laughs> right? No, I'm not. No, we're not. Mm -hmm. um, there are times, you know, one of the issues I, I have with legislation around this issue and, mm -hmm. and now this, these increasing abortion bans is there are times when Jewish tradition mandates abortion. Not just permits it. Mandates if it. the wow. life of the mother is in danger, mm -hmm. in our tradition, you have to have an abortion. You can't risk the life of the mother, oh. right? Mm -hmm. So, so now we have a real clash in some ways with freedom of religion. Right. right? Yeah, it, it, it's very intriguing to think that because um, I, I didn't know that actually. That's that's a really cool thing to learn, you know. And kind of where I fall into this, I, I find myself kind of. Honestly, I hate the terms pro-life and pro-choice because I think, again, it's trying to, to polarize and create a binary to something that is yes. much more nuanced. But the stance that I take on this is that I'm, I'm both in that sense. Like I know, you know, I, I do not have to worry about that with my body. So I recognize that there's an inherent space of I cannot speak for what someone chooses to do with their body. And again, this is where the presence of free will, at least in my understanding right. of our tradition, comes out of part of what it means in our baptismal vows when we say to respect the dignity of every human being means to respect their ability to choose life or to choose death, to, right. to, to choose how they interact with that. But from a, a legal standpoint, I, I do vote pro-choice. I, I always do for that reason. But, you know, from a moral standpoint of where I fall on this too, you know, obviously I think there are some spaces where it's warranted, like for the, the health of the woman or for the life of the child of potentially what it has um, after birth or, or the complications that they would have. It's it's more nuanced. For me, it, it's just, it's a hard space to say that I fall on one space or the other. Like ultimately, I believe it is a woman's right to choose. And, and that's between, that that's a relationship between her and God and her community to, to delve in. And, and when I'm invited into that space to, to sit with them, then uh, I can offer some some guidance or my own thoughts within that, but 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 it's not really my space to choose. It's really about how do do I honor the dignity of this human being and holding and supporting them through uh, a choice, a decision to make that is heart wrenching and heartbreaking. And again, you know, just to tap back on you know why I hate the language of pro life and pro choice. Because I think if I were to choose a language, I like the language of pro-life. But let's talk about what that means. Pro-life in our country, in the United States right now, has meant you don't have an abortion. Well, I look at it in the whole gambit. Are we supporting the death penalty? And when that child is um, born, are we providing proper education for them? Are we feeding them? Are they going to have the medical needs and resources that they require? All these different things from, from birth to death, how are we honoring life? And that's why I hate that that yeah, I, 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 in. I agree completely. Um, and I, I, you know, there's such hypocrisy around this, right? right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we're we're pro-life until the minute the child is born, and then and then God help them. Yeah, right? it's like you know how many um, kids and teenagers are we sending to juvenile detentions rather than actually supporting them and helping them yeah. out? You know, I and it's so nuanced. I remember back when I was an undergraduate, I took a philosophy class. And I had to do a presentation on this topic. And my professor did not like where I came out on it. The short version of it is 
you know, I, I made the presentation of, you know, legally I'll vote pro-choice, but identify more in the, the pro-life camp for, for in the nuanced way that I just explained, right, of like it's complicated and what's my role within that. And my professor's response was, well, you can't have both. That's hypocritical wow. to do that. Like, well, I'm a living hypocrisy here then. And we surveyed the room and the vast majority of people in that room agreed with that of it's a complicated, nuanced thing. And where we find ourselves personally is not necessarily how we hold public space because we recognize we, we can't assert our, our will, our own religious beliefs yeah. onto other people. We can invite them into experiencing them and to hear what we have to say, but, yeah. but we can't let that I, control I, them. I agree. I, you know, I do think that a, a rabbi or a priest has a role as an advocate. Ooh. Right of a particular point of view, mm -hmm. um, and I certainly resonate with with the idea of being pro life. Right, yeah. I mean that's what the Bible says. Right, mm -hmm. I, I've set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life. Right. So yeah. who who could be? And as I said earlier, life is life is God's greatest gift to us yeah. in in many ways. Th this idea that it's all slogans. And, and you know, so yeah, I agree. I'm pro-life and pro-choice. Yeah. Right. Um, and I also agree that what what's permissible in the public square, mm -hmm. right, is difficult, different from what my own personal view would be in a given circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so there, I also ag ag agree with you that that autonomy plays a tremendous role, because nice. you once you limit a person's options, you're really you know, limiting their autonomy in ways that don't seem right. Well, this is this has been great as I usual. Uh, uh, I think we we should probably save a bit of this. I I am interested, and in, and maybe we could talk about this. I'm interested in talking about how you talk to people about this, and in mm. general, in difficult questions. And in this very polarized time, right? How do you listen to and speak to people who seem to have their minds so closed? Yeah, you know, that is a great topic of conversation. And you know what? I think we're going to need more time to sit with that because that, that, when I hear that, that, there's so many things that connect in with that, right? That intersect with it. So, yeah, should we pick that up at our next call? Yeah, I, I would love to do that. Yeah, let's um, do it. All right, and listen, have a good week. Yeah, you yeah. do the same. I hope uh, the coffee gives you a good kick for the afternoon. <laughs> well, it is delicious, so I thank you for that. All good. right, see you soon. All righty, see you, Andy. Bye-bye.